Earlier this week, I snuck out of the house late at night after the kids had gone to bed, thanks to the kindness of my wife, to do something entirely unusual and out of character for me. I went to the movies by myself (laughs) on a weeknight. It was crazy. (laughs) I went to see the movie Wild. Have any of you seen that or read the book? It's getting a lot of press being a local Minnesotan that's in the story. It's a story that tells the tale of Cheryl Strayed, a young woman from Minneapolis as she has made the decision and she walks the Pacific Crest Trail. Now the Pacific Crest Trail is a long one, 2,650 miles that runs from Mexico to Canada along the west coast of the United States. It's a huge undertaking. It goes through incredible heat in the desert and cold and snow in the Sierras. And our hero, Cheryl, doesn't exactly begin her journey in tip-top physical and emotional shape. In fact, she decides to go on this journey because she is in anything but good physical and emotional shape. She has lost her mother a couple of years before to a quick illness, and she is devastated with grief. She spiraled into drug addiction and into the end of her marriage, and she has this moment where she realizes she no longer recognizes who she is or who she is becoming, and she stops, and she makes the decision to try to walk her way back to herself. That begins her journey. Now, a solo female hiker on the trail was and is unusual. And Cheryl faced physical and emotional challenges and very real threats to her safety along the way. But that was not all that the journey brought for her. It brought wide open spaces and beauty, incredible beauty. It demanded a reconnection to her body and to the earth. And it offered time and more time and more time with herself and with her memories. After weeks of walking out there on her own, Cheryl encountered another solo female hiker, and the two of them stopped and talked to each other after days of isolation. Do you ever get lonely out on the trail, they asked each other, and one of them responded, you know, I've found I'm more lonely in my real life than I am on the trail. I'm more lonely in my real life than I am on the trail. That response just hit a chord in me. I kept thinking about that, that how even in the midst of our full and busy lives or our slower lives, even in the midst of a sea of people, we can feel more alone sometimes than we are when we are actually alone for days and days and days. Sometimes I've thought it is the worst feeling in the world to feel alone in a crowd of people, to feel oneself not seen, not heard, not listened to, not respected. I know this happens for some of us on a regular basis, maybe because of some perceived difference, maybe because of the color of our skin or the way that we express our gender identity, maybe because of our age or health or different abilities. For some reason, we are overlooked. Maybe we don't bring ourselves out either, but we are not seen, not heard, not respected, and it feels so lonely. Even in the sea of people, to feel alone. So when I heard Cheryl talk about this feeling of being more alone in her real life than there on the trail, it made me sad, but it gave me some hope too. Because there she was, out on the trail, days upon days of total isolation and aloneness, and yet she felt connected. She had found herself and that connection again. 
she realized she had so much with her. She had her mother. She had her memories. She had her lessons learned. She had all that she believed in. She had the beauty of the earth. She had the plants that she would take and crush between her palms and then breathe in. She felt connected, even though she was alone. Now, in this movie, Cheryl doesn't ever really talk about God other than in a last-ditch prayer for a miracle when her mother is dying, and yet she felt connected. She felt connected to memories, to people, to realities, to beauty. She was not alone. She was there, returning to herself with every step that she took. A colleague of mine says that spiritual practices are anything that we do, any ways that we have of remembering who we really are in the midst of a culture that tells us who we should be. Spiritual practices are the things that we do that help us to remember who we are in the midst of a culture that tells us who we should be. Whether it's a walk in the woods or meditation or prayer, writing or running or singing or cooking or whatever it is for us, we each have ways of remembering who we are in the midst of a world that is telling us who we should be. Who we are. There are ways of feeling connected, of remembering ourselves. Whether it's a big journey or many small steps, we can take each and every day. As I watched Reese Witherspoon play Cheryl Strayed in this beautiful movie this week, I wondered how many people had already left town to go hike the Pacific Crest Trail. <laughs> it made me think they probably are going to have a real problem out there with people who don't know what they're doing, who've decided that this looks great. Even though throughout the movie you see her with her toenails falling off and these huge bruises from where her pack is rubbing against her and the dangerous encounters with strangers and days and days upon isolation, it still looked good. It still looked like something most people would want because there she was remembering who she was. She was integrating her experiences. She was having time and space and she was coming back to herself. I think most of us long for that, even if it means our toenails are going to fall out and we're going to have some bruises along the way. Out there on the trail, Cheryl was living squarely in the middle of the neutral zone, that phase that accompanies big changes that can often be both incredibly uncomfortable and incredibly rewarding. That neutral zone time is a time and a space when a change has happened and the Old ways are gone, but the new ones haven't yet fully formed. A lot of people liken this time, this neutral zone time, to that time when you're flying on the trapeze and you've let go of the one, but you haven't yet reached the other, and you're hanging there, wondering what you just did or what just happened to you, and you're full of hope and despair and excitement. This isn't a place that most of us are very comfortable in. It's a place where often we'll try to speed it up or we'll try to numb it out in some way. Make this feeling, this in-between time, go away. It's a hard space to be in. I think that most of us have heard the story of Moses that's been told over and over again throughout different communities. The story of Moses leading his people out of Egypt in the story, Moses convinces the people to leave slavery and the oppressive rule that they are experiencing for the hope of a new land and a new life. 
and he leads the people out there into the desert where they wander around for 40 years. 40 years of wandering and hoping to find their new home. During that time, of course, people complained. They strayed. They doubted. They thought he wasn't a very good leader. Maybe he doesn't know how to read a map. This guy is not the one. We're sure of it. But recently, I heard somebody put a new twist on this old tale. They said, what if it took one day to get the people out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of the people? What if it took one day to leave Egypt, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of the people? It had me thinking, how long does it take to get certain places or people or experiences moved out of us, or maybe even more so? How long does it take to really integrate those experiences, to learn what we can, to grieve what we need to, to be a person that is whole and full with all of our losses and changes and new beginnings? How long does that take for us? And how much kindness and compassion and patience can we have with ourselves and each other in that long, long journey? William Bridges, the organizational and business expert on change and transition, he's always careful to remind his readers that change and transition are two totally different things. Changes happen quickly, he says. Sometimes we have control over them and sometimes we don't. A change is something that it only takes a moment for it to happen. Somebody's here and then they're not. A job offer has come, a job has ended. A new diagnosis is something we learn about. We have an affair or we learn about one. We become married or divorced. We become a parent or lose a child. One minute things are one way, and the next moment the change has happened and everything is different. The milestones and the abandoned campsites appear behind us then, and then the adjustment and the acceptance and the transitions that come with change begin. Transition has three processes that go on in the midst of it. It's the letting go, the living in the neutral zone, and the new beginnings. And all of these processes happen at once. It's not some great progressive journey we're on. It's layers, layers, layers of letting go and loss, of grieving an old identity and an old way of being and a sureness. It's that neutral zone time where who knows what is about to happen. We're hanging out there in limbo between one trapeze and the next. We are living in a moment that could call for great creativity and resilience and innovation, but is so uncomfortable. And then the new beginnings, that time and place when we discover who we are now after the change, when we discover a new sense of purpose and meaning based on all that we've experienced, when we know who we are anew this time of letting go of the neutral zone of new beginnings. It can take a long time, and it's hard to know sometimes which one is leading. Where are we in the midst of these layers? But I know it is better to live in the layers than on the litter, as the poet says. To live in the layers, not on the litter. The racial justice journey that we're on as a church is one that I think asks us to constantly be in the process of transition, 
This journey that we're on asks us to look at and let go of the lies we've been taught about race and racism and whiteness over the years of our lives. It asks us to live in the discomfort of seeing and knowing the truth about ourselves and the lives of others and our country. It asks us to be creative, to think in new ways, to re-pattern and relearn and come forward with a new identity and new beginnings that ensure that all people are seen and heard and valued. Live in the layers, not on the litter. Our poet was instructed by that nimbus-voiced prophet, live in the layers, not on the litter of the changes that come. Find again that part of yourself, that part of the world and all that you have learned and all that you believe in that is still there. Walk or write or dance or dream or pray your way back to yourself. And remember, literally, remember who you are. Over the last few months, many of us here at church have been learning more about an agency in town called Beacon Interfaith Housing Collaborative and about their Families Moving Forward program in particular. Beacon is an organization with over 70 congregational partners that share the same goal of ending involuntary homelessness here in Minnesota. Beacon provides shelter and affordable housing and advocacy. It works on all levels across faiths to create the change that we dream of. Many of you already know about Beacon's transitional housing program for young adults that operates over at Nicollet Square in the space above Butter, that cafe that's so nearby. Others of you might be familiar with Beacon's new housing development for homeless youth in Edina that is in development, or maybe you've heard about the dream that they have that's starting to become real of a place called Great River Landing, a transitional housing facility for men coming out of prison that'll be in downtown Minneapolis. All of these are programs of Beacon. And the Families Moving Forward program offers shelter and support for families experiencing homelessness. It houses families literally in the host congregations one week at a time around the whole year. There is no doubt that the families that are being served by this program are in a time of major transition. They have lost some important things. They have lost many things. One door has shut and another has not yet opened. It is that neutral zone time. And it is my hope for them and for us that new beginnings might arise from that time, new beginnings that they choose with us, with a face and hands of love. As I've learned about this program, I keep imagining what it would look like here in our congregation. I've imagined it taking root here. I've imagined us opening our doors and becoming the house that love built for our larger community. As once or twice a year, or maybe more often, families arrive and literally live in the church. As we open up our religious education classrooms to be bedrooms for families in need. As we grow and change through the stories of the people that we meet. As we are called to action in new ways. As our kids prepare the rooms and make the beds as our community circles make hot meals, as we arrive eager to meet new people, always, always seeing with our ever-focusing racial justice lens the impact of race and racism and whiteness in our world. Each week, the families that are being served by the program, they arrive at a new congregation, 
On a Sunday night, they would arrive to a hot meal, to activities for the kids, to smiling faces that are happy to meet them and warm rooms of their own. They would spend the night, and each morning they would get breakfast and the supplies to make lunch to go, and they would get on the program bus and be on their way to school, to work, to the day center where they would store their belongings, do laundry, search for housing and employment, take a shower. Each evening they would return again to the congregation, to smiling faces and a hot meal, to a room of their own and the hospitality of strangers. Each congregation hosts the families for a week at a time, providing the space, the air mattresses, the blankets, the pillows, everything that you need to make the room feel like a home and not a classroom. We'd provide the meals and the company through the evening and overnight and into the morning. There would be all kinds of work to be done by people of all ages and different abilities in our congregation. I know without a doubt that we could offer the practical and material support that would make this work. But what I'm even more excited about, what I'm even more interested in, is seeing us in yet another arena live into the expression of our faith as Unitarian Universalists, to show through our actions and in our faces the truth that we know, that every person is worthy of dignity and respect, that each one of us, no matter who we are, No matter what has happened to us or not happened to us, what we have done or not done in our lives, that each of us is worthy of respect and dignity. That all of us are already redeemed, already forgiven, already loved, already enough, even when we still have room to grow. I know that we can share this expression of our faith with others, this tangible love, and that when we do it, we will be remembering ourselves anew, too. That as we reach out to others, we will, in fact, be walking our way back to ourselves. We will remember that each of us, that we too, are worthy of love and respect and dignity, that we are each already enough, already forgiven, already redeemed. I know that many folks are already as excited as I am about this program and will be offering an informational session after church on a Sunday in February, and I hope you'll be there to learn with me and to take up this challenge. Endings and beginnings and the neutral zone. These are the processes of transition that accompany change. May we embrace them all. May we trust that we are not alone that our memories and our loved ones and those who have loved us, that our lessons learned that the love and beauty of the world is with us. With abandoned campfires and milestones behind us, let us too learn to feast on our losses, knowing that each stone on the road is precious to us. Help us to turn, will intact to go wherever it is we need to go walking our way back to ourselves on one big journey or in many small steps, letting go of the old ways and the old habits and living into a new way forward, a new beginning. May we have the courage to let go, to be uncomfortable, and to begin again. May it be so, and amen.